Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. Good morning, church family. I brought my phone on stage because I have the live stream of the service going right here because we're going to have a little uh, question for the audience. So I want to be able to see the people who are online as well as the people who are here just to hear your feedback and your thoughts. Uh, my name is Tim Sridharan. I'm one of the interim co-lead pastors here at First Alliance. And this week we are in our series on Advent and we're exploring the God who is peace. I have to say peace is something that I think all of us want in some way or another. But I think peace is one of those things that is so elusive to many of us. So let me just open us with a question. If you are online, feel free to just write in the form uh, or in our chat there. Or if you're in person, this is your chance to just talk out loud in the middle of a service. Maybe you've never had that opportunity. So here is my question to you. What is the opposite of peace? Just like nice loud voices, feel free to yell. Chaos? War, yep. I heard stress. Restlessness, ooh, nice. Looking for the online comments, see if anything. (laughs) All right, nothing. You guys are a little bit on a tape delay, we'll give you time. Conflict, all right, good, see, this is good. Conflict, excellent. Yeah, there are so many things that are the opposite of peace, yet peace is something that we deeply desire. I'm seeing people write out strife, war, conflict. This is great. Thank you, everyone. When I think of peace, and this is something I desire, there are so many things that interfere with this idea of peace and what we desire. I think many people here, there's many people in our, I know in my life who have left countries of conflict, fled from war just to move to a place of peace. For those of us who've experienced peace in our own life, some of us have faced the conflict and discord within our own homes or families, relational strife and troubles with families, with parents, with kids, and with siblings. Others of us, we just want, and this is me as a parent talking, peace and quiet. You know, eight o'clock is one of my favorite times at home because you go and you kiss, kiss, I kiss my little three boys and they look so peaceful as they sleep in their bed. But as the young parents who are even here today, you know, that's a glorious moment you kind of look forward to all day long, right? Some of us just want peace from the pressures of life, the stresses of the season. I mean, Christmas is supposed to be this time where we wait and we're at peace, but really, a lot of us are stressed, but how are we going to pay for everything in this season? How are we going to have the finances to make it through this time? We want peace from our fears, from our worries, our anxieties whether our struggles with our kids, our parents, or even our own health. You know, speaking personally, if I was going to say what hinders my peace the most, i got to be honest, and give me an amen if you agree, what hinders my peace is COVID-19. Amen. Amen. I'm tired. You know what else I'm also tired of that's just destroying my peace? Variants. What variant are we on right now? Name your variants. Yeah, yeah, everyone's got it, right? Here, have you just, is, I don't know if this is God's plan or something, but this is, is this his secret way of teaching us the Greek language? 
Like, I, I wonder to myself sometimes, is this his gift and challenge, calling us to learn Greek, love Greek so that we can read the Old New Testament in its original language? I don't know. Maybe that's our December challenge for us as an audience. I see some of the seminary students up top nodding their head. Honestly, I desire peace. And, and in all honesty, here's the lie I believe about peace. When this is over, then I'll experience peace. Once COVID-19 is over, I'll experience peace. Once I'm over this health struggle, once my young child is older or out of the house, then I will experience peace. The biggest challenge I have is experience peace in the midst of conflict, trouble, and discourse. I pray today that as we dive into this text, I hope we will see that God's presence is our peace and we, can be, and we can experience that peace even in the midst of conflict, anxiety, worry, and fear. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to open to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, verses 8 to 15. Feel free to flip it open on your phone. If you're new to church, you can open up that blue pew Bible in front of you, and we are on page 832. Before... I read our text for the day. Let me just open us in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for this season. And we thank you that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of busyness, you are our peace. So come, Holy Spirit. May we be filled with the Spirit. May we see Christ. And may we be transformed to be people of peace who experience your presence daily and proclaim your presence and goodness to this world so that they may know you and worship you as well. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm really glad for our new light setup because it helps my aging eyes be able to read this Bible well. We're in Luke chapter 2, verses 8. 8 to 15. Let me read our text for the day. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The word of the Lord. You know, the Jews who would have been living at the time when Jesus was, was born would have been people who would have known what it was like to live in conflict. Ever since the promised land was overthrown, first the northern tribe by the Assyrians and then the southern tribe by the Babylonians, the Israelites had lived in captivity. Whether to the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Medes, the Greeks, and now the Romans. 
It had been six, seven centuries of living under colonial rule. The Jews knew what it was like to experience oppression. When we look at those shepherds who are in the field, these would also have been shepherds who would not known peace, but a life of struggle and strife. I mean, for me, I grew up in the city of Toronto. I've only ever lived in cities in the world. So my idea of like the rural pastoral life is like my kids' books with pretty fuzzy white sheep, and it's just very clean and loving. But if you look at the life of a shepherd, especially in the ancient Near East, it was grimy. It, it, was, it was an all-day, all-night job. We have shepherds in the fields in the middle of the night here in this story. And this would have been a tough job. People would have thought, yeah, you're uneducated. This is all you could do with your life. You're kind of bottom of the, uh, of the rung in society. You know, you're from the countryside. You're not educated in any way. And you're just nothing. I was trying to think of what a shepherd would be in kind of our modern context. And the best I could think of was like, like the Hell's Angels biker gang. And, and bear with me with the analogy if you're wondering. I'm sure all of them would have had like these scruffy beards that someone like Pastor Andrew can only dream of growing. <laughs> Yet they were kind of like rough around the edges, a little gruff. The people you wouldn't want to invite to your family dinner, you just didn't know what to do with. And if you ran into them in public, you would just kind of avoid them. You know, it's interesting in Scripture that God sends his angel to the shepherds. Because one of the things we see all throughout the Gospel of Luke is God's love and care for those on the margins, those under oppression. You know, logically, if you were going to proclaim the coming of the Savior of the universe, who would you go to? In modern society, you would go to prime ministers and presidents. You'd go to news anchors. You would go to influencers. You know, you hit your big websites and make that known. You wouldn't go find your Hell's Angels biker gang and tell them, this is, life is about to change, and here's a hot tip. Please spread it around. And the shepherds would have been the same thing. Here's the reality. No one would have believed a shepherd if it told them that that this great news was coming. Yet this is a little insight into the gospel, the upside-down kingdom that we see in Scripture, God's love for those on the margins. In verse 9, we see the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. This line makes me laugh every time. Have you ever thought about this scene? Imagine sitting there peacefully in the nighttime, kind of taking shifts on and off. Some shepherds are sleeping, some are not. And all of a sudden, this terrifying being appears in front of you, bright light shining, and you, I don't, you, who knows what came out of those shepherds' mouths in that moment. But the one thing that's funny, the first words of the angel are, do not be afraid. Like, just think about this. Imagine your friend sneaking into your house while you're sleeping, and then in the middle of the night grabbing you by the shoulders and shaking you and waking you up. You'd wake up screaming. Maybe a few choice words would come out of your mouth that you wouldn't want to repeat in church. And if they told you, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, you'd be like, what is wrong with you? How could I not be afraid of this? Yet the reality of this, the angel is calling them, do not be afraid. Why? Because what the angel brings is this glorious good news. Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Oh, this is, and this is the gospel. This is the good news that is being proclaimed. And normally, you would want this good news to be proclaimed by a king so his, 
you know, he could send it out throughout all his kingdom. Okay, Jesus had come, and he had brought this good news to those on the margins. And throughout Luke, we will see this theme of God's love for the foreigner, for the oppressed, for the widow, for the poor, for women, and for all those on the outside of society, including shepherds. So what is this good news that Jesus, that is being proclaimed by the angel of the Lord? It begins with this. Let's read verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What is this good news? Well, it's not so much a message as it is a person. And it is the person of Jesus Christ. There's two titles that, I, that really stand out to me in verse 11, and they are Savior and Messiah. And so what does this reveal to us about who Jesus is? Well, a Savior would have been, you know, another word for that would be deliverer or, or preserver. Throughout Israel's history, the greatest moment of salvation would have been the journey out of Egypt into the Promised Land. God sends his, you know, he raises up Moses and he takes them with the plagues opens up the sea and they pass through and that sea crashes back over their captors and God brings them into the promised land. It's like, it's a beautiful story of being saved and being brought out from under an oppressive Egyptian regime. And throughout the Old Testament, there's this hope of a savior. But imagine how that hope was dashed when they were thrown out of the promised land, when they were dragged into captivity. And you know, after a century, hope starts to wane. I think after six centuries and seven centuries, they must have been hoping but not expecting a savior to come. Secondly, we have this title, Messiah, and Christos is the Greek word Christ, so I'm not trying to make everyone learn Greek here. This is great, but we, it, the simple translation there is anointed. And if you think about the Gospel of Luke, one of the pinnacle moments in Luke is Luke chapter 9, verse 20 when finally Peter realizes who Jesus is. And Jesus asks him, who do you think I am? Who do people say I am? And he gives, you know, a prophet and this and that. Peter, who do you think I am? And he uses this word, you are the Christ, you know, God's anointed. Peter realizes who, that is, who, Christ, who Jesus is in that mo- a moment. God, the anointed one who has come to rescue humanity. So the question is, how do these titles of Savior and the title of Messiah connect with peace? Well, the reality is Jesus is our peace. Savior is the one who ends violence and brings peace into this world, not a political peace uh, like the Jewish, like the, like the Israelites would have hoped for, but one, uh, a hope for the entire world, not just for the Jewish people to be rescued from captivity, but a hope of salvation for all humanity. This is the abundant life that is in, we find in following Christ that we can experience now on earth and eternally with him. Secondly, peace comes through this Messiah who's God's anointed, who restores and brings peace between God and humankind through his death and resurrection on the cross. The simple story of the gospel is this, that a God who created the world created us in his image, yet when we chose to sin, peace was broken between God and humankind. Yet God in his great love for us did what? He sent his son, 
born of a woman, lived on this earth just like us, and died on the cross and rose from the grave so that through his death and resurrection, peace could be brought back into this relationship, to, relationship between God and humanity. That's the good news. That's why Jesus is called what? The Prince of Peace. Peace is not an idea that Jesus brings to us. Peace is Jesus himself. Peace is the presence of Christ in our lives. It's how we enter into the gospel story through salvation. It's how we continue on as we are formed in Christ. And so sometimes we call this sanctification. You know, two weeks ago, we had a baptism service, and it was just amazing to see those stories of baptism, of people who had chosen to follow after Jesus and had continued to walk with him. A theme I saw throughout that service, and if you haven't had a chance to watch it, go back. I think it's November 21st service. You can watch it on, online. And just listen to the testimonies of those who experienced Jesus' peace in regard to salvation. But even in the midst of, what, depression? In the midst of suicide? In the midst of losing a partner? Divorce? Family struggling with cancer? What did they experience? It was Christ's peace drawing him, drawing them to himself. What will carry us through in life is God's presence with us. And that is the beauty of uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus has come to this earth and he is with us and his presence will carry us forward. The reason those in that baptism experience peace is because they experience Jesus. It's as simple as that. Without Christ, there is no true peace. Without Christ, there is no true peace. God's presence in our life is what brings peace. I, I may have told this story before, but years ago I was living overseas and um, just being far away from family, we had a pact that if anything happened health-wise, we'd always share with one another so we could pray for one another and journey with one another. And I remember a day my mom called me and she said, hey, the doctor is worried. They think I may have cancer. I have to go for some tests. And uh, I'll have to get the tests in a week and then I'll have to wait a couple weeks for the results. And I remember in that moment being just feeling anxious. Just when you're thousands of miles from home, just all you want to do is come home and be with your family. But I couldn't in that moment. And I felt overwhelmed. I felt anxious. I didn't know. I, I tried to talk to friends and spend time with people and... You know, nothing seemed to calm that angst. Yet one day I picked up Scripture, God's Word and gift to us, and I read a passage in Philippians. And as I, as I prayed that day, something happened. It's like when you go to Scripture and you spend time in prayer, it's like God's presence comes over you and you experience a realness in your life. And it was like a 180 transformation. Instead of being anxious like I was, all of a sudden there was this, this peace and I was comfortable waiting. And as I had to wait for the test to be completed and as the results to come in, by God's grace, it came out negative and my mom was fine. But what I was amazed with is how God's peace can be so real in our life through those moments of crisis and difficulties and challenges. The lie I believe, and I think many of us believe, is that we cannot experience peace until something passes. Yet the joy of knowing Christ and worshiping him is that even through the loss of loved ones, through the loss of, 
of you know, just sadness in our life, struggles with our finances, a relational conflict, uh, just trying to care for young kids and aging parents. We can experience peace because we can experience the presence of God in our life. One of my f- friends um, who I grew up with, he was actually one of my groomsmen, a year ago, a couple days ago, was actually the one-year anniversary of their son's passing. He was hit by a car. And to watch them in a year of grief, continually give thanks to the Lord and praise Him through the tears and the pain, is a testimony to me because I feel like I couldn't even do that. Yet by the grace of God, they were able to praise and thank, thank God through this time because they were able to experience the peace of God, His presence in the midst of suffering and difficulties. Just watching their life helps me to see the realness that God's presence is our peace and can be experienced even in the midst of conflict, anxiety, worry, and fear. That means for us who are here today, whether we're going through different conflicts in our life, whether we're going through a divorce, experiencing trauma, going through the challenges of school, grieving, whether we're just a young mom at home caring for our our little ones, or, or caring for our aging spouse or parents, or whether we're just trying to stay above water financially, God's gift to us in this Christmas season is simply His presence. God's presence is our peace, and we can experience His peace in the midst of the storms of our life. So how do we go, and how do we do that? In a little bit, we're going to be ha- uh, celebrating communion together, and this will be a great time to just unpack uh, what peace is in our life. But I just want to read the last verse of our passage. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, what? Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I am sure these shepherds felt so unworthy to go and visit Jesus. You know, they may be gruff with their great beards and everything like that, but they probably approached Jesus kind of trepid and intimidated. They didn't know if they were really allowed to be there. But what I love in the story is that they went. They went to see Jesus. They went to be in the presence of the Savior of the universe. And so my call for us today is simply this. Move towards Jesus. Whether that is in the midst of the conflict that's happening in your life, the challenges you are experiencing, deaths that you are grieving over, do not wait for it to pass in order to feel peace. Jesus can minister to your heart in the midst of every difficulty that you're going through. So my prayer for us today is we will be like these shepherds. We will not be ashamed. We will not think of ourselves as too lowly, but we will realize that the God of the universe came for us. He loves us. He's waiting there with open arms to embrace us. 
and he just wants to, us to experience his peace as we move into his presence. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is our peace in the midst of our conflicts, our busyness, our hurry, our worry, our anxiety, and our fears. So come, Holy Spirit, minister to us now. May we experience the richness of Christ in our lives this week. And may we be just drawn into his presence as we await uh, this Christmas season. Thank you, Father, that you are our peace. And thank you for sending your son, Jesus, so that we can experience your peace in the mundane and every day, moment of every day for the glory of the Father. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.